0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of our 20-minute playbook series, where each week we sit down with an elite performer, from iconic founders to world-renowned investors and best-selling authors, to dive into the ideas, frameworks, and strategies that got them to the top of their field, all in less than 20 minutes. I'm Daniel Scrivener, and on the show today, I'm joined by Alex Simon, who left a career in investment banking to start the travel startup Elude, where he's the co-founder and CEO today. Elude is focused on helping people find and book incredible travel experiences that help them escape and see the world. It's the only place where you can simply input your max budget, your local airport, and how many days you'd like to be gone to find incredible destinations around the world that fit those parameters. So you can ask the question, where can I go next week for $1,000? In this episode, Alex shares why he's been fascinated with crystals, the three mentors he's learned the most from, and why one of them has continually pushed him to simplify Elude's design and user experience, again and again and again. Why he wishes he always trusted his gut instincts as much as he does today. He shares his two favorite books, which are World Travel by Anthony Bourdain and The CEO Within by Matt Mockery. And he talks about why he meditates at the end of each day, and how he includes reflection on how the day went into that routine. You can find our episode guide and the full transcript of this conversation at outlieracademycom slash 109. That's 109. And you can follow Alex Simon on Twitter at AL underscore ELUDE. With that, let's dive in. This is 10 Questions in 20 Minutes with Alex Simon of ELUDE. Alex Simon, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me on 20 Minute Playbook. Um, In the next 20 minutes, I'm going to ask you 10 questions. I'm going to try to draw out, I think, um, get to know you a little bit better or get to know what makes you tick. Thank you so much for coming on. Let's get started. Let's go. First question. I always like to ask if you can share a recent fascination. So just something, can be anything, can be travel related, you know, related to a loot or not. What can't you stop thinking about what's been fascinating you recently? to be honest,
1: and this is going to sound a little bit like woohoo, but like crystals, uh, I've been very much dabbling into crystals. Like I, you know, I have like small little, you know, Buddhas and things like that around. Um, But I I genuinely feel like, you know, the energy behind crystals is definitely, you know, the same type of thing with intentions and things like that. I've definitely been getting into crystals a lot more than I, than I would like to admit.
0: (laughs) I mean, I love it. I have to also ask the noob question as someone who hasn't dabbled into, into crystals what is maybe a surprising thing that you've learned? Or what would you, I guess, share for someone uh, just a high level tidbit about crystals? (laughs)
1: Yeah. So depending on like what you're looking for in general, I think like, uh, there's different, uh, there's different crystals for everything. So I'll give an example. I just recently had brain surgery about a month and a half ago and I'm on, yeah, I'm on blood thinners. And again, this is a lot of information for, uh, for the details, but there's actually specific crystals that can help with your blood flow. Um, and so again, I mean, there's, there's specific crystals for kind of all over the place, but uh, definitely do your research, do a little bit more digging. But um, what's unique is that there's kind of a need for everything.
0: So cool! It reminds me, uh, super random, but I remember a couple of years ago reading a story about Robert Downey Jr., who's also really into crystals, and apparently he even has them sewn into his suits, and he has them sewn into the Iron Man suit when he plays, which I thought was I don't know, fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so, for anyone who wants, I haven't to gotten on that, there Robert. yet. I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're not sewing them into your clothes. That's no, gonna be the next yet. step, or maybe that's a yeah. few more steps down the road. <laughs> when you think about business and leadership. What do you think your superpowers are and how do those show up day to day?
1: Yeah. So I'm definitely great at networking in general. I think, you know, uh, being able to connect the right people at the right times, I think is a really big, powerful tool. And then also too, I think for me specifically, I don't need to understand everything at, at kind of the detail oriented level, specifically as a C, uh, CEO, um, but I like to look at it more macro. And so whether it's from the tech side or the marketing or the product, right? Like I think as a founder and specifically a CEO, you need to have that high level overview at all times and Think, think about the business kind of on a recurring basis, but not necessarily get too detail focused because I think a lot of founders get way too into the details and then they can't really scale or operate on a, on a higher level. Um, and so I, I definitely say that that is my, my strong suit is not understanding everything to, to the fullest degree, but, but understanding enough where I can ask the right questions and kind of push back to the right teams.
0: Yeah, it's like you understand the topography and how it all relates and how it all interconnects. And that's that's the area that you're focused on. It's super interesting. What mentors or figures shaped your approach to, to business and leadership? And what mark did they leave on you? And this can be anybody, you know, it can be an explicit mentor, it can just be someone you worked with.
1: There's three in particular uh, that I've worked with closely. One is Sachin Agarwal, who is uh, over at Lyft, as well as he was another uh, one of the founder teams over at um, over at Twitter. Um, the second, which is uh, Tom Bernthal and his partner uh, Gareth, they've been incredibly helpful in terms of how to look at businesses in general and and kind of operate as a whole. Um, and then the the third is Jeff Hoffman, who I mentioned earlier was one of the founding team over at Priceline. Um, when it comes to the travel space, there's really nobody else. like him. Um, and I think again, as a new and up and coming travel brand, we need to be associated with the right individuals to kind of, you know, open the right doors. And, um, that's been really valuable for us.
0: Yeah. Is there any, you know, tidbit quote, little lesson you can share that you've taken away from one of them? (laughs) I think this is a
1: quote that I personally, uh, like uh, abide by and it's by uh napoleon hill it's uh basically whatever the mind can conceive can conceive and believe it can achieve um the one thing that i'll relate there to something that uh, Sachin has actually been very pr- like basically pressing us on is making certain that the design is simple uh, because users look for simplicity and i think like Whatever you do, whether it's in travel, whether it's in, you know, uh, product, whatever, whatever the, the actual industry or sector is, um, it needs to be simple enough that you can describe it and that people are willing to go through the process and do it. Um, and so he's been pushing, he's been pushing us to get it very, very refined. And I personally love that because, you know, having that kind of back and forth and, and iterative process is, is, is always good.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a great voice to have around the table and it's great to have somebody from the outside looking in that understands it with enough nuance, but also has an outsider's perspective to just say, nope, still not simple enough. Just really quickly on that. You know, my theory on simplicity is that it gets more valuable every day because I think as over time, our lives all feel more complicated. They feel more noisy. And so I guess one, you know, maybe belief I have is that, you know, simplicity has a compounding advantage if you can get good at it too. I love that. I love that. This is a little bit of a weird question, but I always like asking it. Um, and so, if you want to think about it for a few seconds, feel free. But you know, if you can go back to the beginning of your career, so you started as an, an investment banker, and you know, whisper words of wisdom, a quote, you know, reminder in your ear, you know, that you would have benefit from over the course of your career. What would that have been? What advice would you give your younger self at the start of your career?
1: It probably sounds very general, but like as you're saying that again, I'm. This is the second time now on the podcast that I'm getting goosebumps. But I'm like, I wish that I told myself this, and it's uh, trust your gut. Um, a lot of people say that, but a lot of people don't actually trust their gut and they'll go to, you know, ask for a lot of opinions. And even me personally, like, you know, I was mentioning around the advisors and getting insights from all these other, you know, trusted sources at the end of the day, if you don't feel like what you're doing is, um, is enough for you, um, you need to make that change and nobody's going to do that for you. You have to do it for yourself. And so, in those early days when, uh, when we were starting and even down to like my early investment banking days, like, you know, I always felt like I should be doing something a bit more and I wanted to, you know, you know, have something in my hand and travel and and those type of areas. And, um, I wish I just trusted my gut a little bit more back then. Now, you know, I'm I'm learning to trust it over time in a much more quick, uh, quick format. Um, but I wish I would have told myself just, you know, trust it, uh, from
0: then. Yeah. Like develop that trust early on, don't discount yeah. it, you know, listen when you, and, when you feel something.
1: <laughs> and even when everybody else is telling you you're a little bit nuts, like again, early on in the investment banking days, when I was making the leap into entrepreneurship, everybody, friends, family, loved ones, I mean, they were all telling me, why are you giving up a career to go and, you know, do this travel thing? Um, and so like just owning that that um, that confidence and, and making that jump is, uh, is what I wish I told myself.
0: Yeah, I love that. If you had to distill down your philosophy of building a company into just a few words, how would you describe your approach? And you know, and I think what I'm trying to get at there is like philosophically, culturally, how do you think about what you're building at Allude and, and some of the principles behind that?
1: I'm much more of a tactical person, and so right when you say that or you know say that question, my mind goes to like three words, which is um, you know marketing, uh, tech. And then everything business. And basically, like, that's how I live my life day, day in and day out. Like it, if it's in those three buckets, like tech, I don't quite understand. We have our CTO who helps manage that marketing. Again, I don't quite fully understand. I have our CMO and my co-founder, Frankie, and then business, everything else when it comes to accounting and things like that. Like you have to kind of find these buckets that make the most sense for, for you as a business, you know, you as a founder. But I think like operationally having your hand in each one of them and understanding what the impact is and, and really like you can't run a business without all three of those. Um, you can try, but it, like most likely it's going to fail if you don't have those kind of three legs. Um, and that I ironically, I've heard that from other founders as well as like there's this constant ebb and flow of maybe one week or one month it's not going to be marketing right. And that's going to be the, you know two months from now. but you know focusing on the tech and kind of having these cycles is, uh, is, is definitely how I've operated.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's also an aspect of what's so challenging about being in the founder role and in the CEO role is you have to constantly be ebbing and flowing between very different things, (laughs) which can be really uncomfortable to be able to do that. Is there a book article or paper that you love that you think more people should read?
1: Uh, okay, so I have two. Uh, one is I actually always have this by me um, is the Anthony Bourdain uh, World Traveler. Um, and so again, I'm a huge, huge fan of Anthony Bourdain strongly suggest. Um, these are just top destinations that he's been through. Um, and so as a fellow traveler, I always like to suggest it because even if it's like not business related, it's getting people to encourage, uh, you know, going and, and seeing the world. And then the second more on the business front it's called the CEO within. Um, and I always have that as a reference point as well. Um, everything from board meetings to marketing spend—I mean, they literally, he, you know, they they literally cover it all in terms of how you should start to approach it if you haven't done so already. Um, and I always go back to that book if I'm like being dealt with a scenario or a situation, even down to like employee, you know, comp- conflicts or problems or whatever it is. Like they they really handle a really good job of of having like the, a rule a rule book uh, basically.
0: Yeah, no, I would totally agree. And I would second that book because, you know, it's not the end all be all. There's a lot of great books about business. But what I think, you know, when you become a founder, when you become a CEO, nobody hands you an overview. And, you know, that book, I think, is a wonderful overview. It just covers a lot. And you can go and zoom zoom in to kind of a particular area.
1: Yeah. It definitely creates a foundation.
0: Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. It, it, a foundation. And in a lot of ways, it's, yeah, if you suddenly find yourself and you know you need to have that difficult conversation, how do I do that? Go back to the book. You know, It's got at least a, a good breakdown of how to approach it. Switching tacks a little bit, what tiny habit or practice has had the biggest positive impact on your life?
1: Positive impact for me has been from a personal level, uh, meditation, I do that every single night. Um, and that's definitely something that's like a non-negotiable for me. Um, and then when it comes to business in general, actually, like, I know that this is going to sound very minuscule, but start small. So like every single morning, you know, again, like making my bed, doing the dishwasher, doing like laundry, things that are like kind of like smaller tasks that you can kind of complete on a, on a grander scale. Um, that actually starts to make or break your routines, uh, you know, from a, from a much, more like weekly and monthly basis. And so my strong suggestion is find those small little you know things that you can do on a daily basis. Um, and that will really have a direct impact into how you actually operate on a day to day when it comes to business. Um, and so uh, and then the, the final thing, and this is like what I wish I told myself in some capacity of like routine is you know, you don't need to be doing something every single moment or every single day to feel accomplished. Actually, the best times of creativity come when you have nothing, um, or when you have like you know three or four hours by yourself and just like walking around or doing whatever. It doesn't need to come with structured time. And I think I learned that the wrong way, where you know I thought especially as as soon as I jumped into entrepreneurship, it was like if I'm not doing something every single minute, if I'm not talking to an investor or a product person or you know the tech team, like. Nothing's going to get done. And you kind of have to trust that, like, that's actually not the case. And the best forms of creativity come with uh, those open times.
0: Yeah. So well said. And totally agree on the practices. For me, I feel like, you know, I try to work out every single morning. And I do feel like on the days I can't do it, yeah, on the days I do it, I feel like I can do anything. On the days I don't, I feel like sometimes I struggle. And so, yeah, it's like getting getting a win in early. (laughs) I want to ask one other question on the meditation practice, just because it's interesting that you do it at the end of the day. Is that for you a way to decompress and kind of switch from work mode to being at home? Talk a little bit about like why end of day and what that gets you.
1: It's kind of more of less my um, my point in time in the day to be able to understand what just went happened, what just happened. And so typically I find myself it's typically like a guided meditation with just like music, not like words. Um, and a lot of the times it's like 15 to 20 minutes. But the first five minutes is me actually decompressing. And, you know, did I kind of me asking myself the, the questions in my head of like, you know, did I do well today? Did I do what I wanted to do? If not, you know, what's still outstanding? And maybe I do that after the meditation, but it kind of is like this, you know, uh, point in time for me to realize what has happened and um, really not do anything else. And then, you know, the remaining of the meditation is much more of me to your point, like transitioning to, you know, a wind down, you know, let's uh, let me sit with my wife or let, you know, let's have a cup of cu- cup of tea or something like that. Like where it's a little bit more of now I'm disconnecting from work. And I think, again, as founders, you're, you're living, breathing. I mean, there's, I haven't had a day off in, since the day I started Allude, right? So, like, uh, But that's, that's constant. And so like, the, what keeps me grounded is those points in time to be able to say, okay, look, for the next two hours or three hours, I'm not going to be doing anything work. Um, now on the days that I actually do need to jump back into work, okay, I come back at it with a, a fresh set of eyes. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of just at that point in time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's, like a looser practice, and that a part of it is just reflection, because I do find that that's really powerful. And if you don't build that in, I don't know, you miss out on something. And it's also something that I think just people, just everybody, I think criminally underprioritizes, as if like thinking back and reflecting is invaluable. <laughs>
1: what what I think is actually most unique, and again, hopefully other other uh, listeners can can think about this. You know, one day you may be feeling extremely anxious. Like I'll give an example. Like we closed our seed round back in November last year. The, that month was very heightened stress for me. I mean, we're talking about raising millions of dollars and like, you know, like waiting for kind of the wires to hit and the people to get committed and all of that. Um, but it's always a good point in time to now look back and be like, wow, okay, I was feeling, you know, anxious, but now I'm not. And like having those points of reflection and, and reali- realize that like over time, that's, that's the ebb and flow of life and just kind of taking for what it is.
0: Yeah. No. Totally. So it's like a recognition of the moment in time you're in, and also recognition of maybe what's just passed. (laughs) It's like yeah, what I'm not
1: going through right now, or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, closing around is very stressful. So it's. I'm sure you're glad you, you've got that out of the way for now. <laughs> Two last questions and this one's totally out of left field. What is your favorite way to waste an hour? And what I mean by that is kind of if you had that unstructured time where you could do anything, what is some what what do you do in that time that feeds you that propels you that kind of just you know fills you up?
1: So before the brain surgery, it would be, uh, it would be jujitsu. That was incredible outlet for me to be able to really like, just not think about anything else, but you know, the tactics at hand, I'd say now is much more about walks. Um, and like that to me personally is a great way for me to just kind of zone out. And like, again, i almost find almost all of my creativity comes when I'm actually on walks is like, it's this downtime that doesn't exist uh, about work. And you know, it's just kind of like, you know, walking up and down the streets uh, here where I live, like that's always a really good opportunity for me to just kind of check out. Um, But yeah, I would definitely strongly urge anybody to consider uh, jujitsu because that's again, like a very great mind fitness, but also regular just fitness.
0: Yeah. And I'm guessing at some point you'll be back to jujitsu. It's just a recovery period. Yeah. (laughs) Probably like another
1: six months. Um, yeah, you don't want to be slammed
0: on the mat anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. Probably not what the
1: doctor, uh, ordered.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I would, I would, I would think not. Um, last question when, when you kind of think, you know, we've talked a lot about this. So in some ways this is maybe an annoying question. I think it's interesting. You know, we've talked about different advice, different lessons you've taken from things when you kind of boil it all down. What is the most important lesson you've learned so far? And this can be in life. This can be in business. This can be in both. What is yeah, it? Yeah,
1: I, I love that. You have to enjoy what you love uh, to do. Like like if you don't like what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, unfortunately, and I'm not going to be like, I'm not this grand master or guru, but like it's going to come out and it's going to come out in. Other forms, whether that's you with children or you with, you know, your work or, um, you with just downtime in general, you're probably not going to enjoy the things that you like, um, if, if you don't really like what you do on a daily basis. And, um, I think the quicker that you realize that, um, or try to find, and, and this is the other thing too. Like as a kid, we're always like, we're taught, like, let's go and find 15 different things that you like to do and, and like, you know, see which ones you resonate, right? Oh, you don't like soccer. You go move. To baseball and you don't like baseball you go to football right you can you have this kind of choice to go in and find things that you enjoy to do the second we enter into the workforce a lot of that stuff dies and unfortunately that's when over time if you don't like what you're doing on a day-to-day basis um, it can come out in a lot of other areas and uh, not to say i hated my corporate role World, like again, I, I mentioned this before, like I stumbled into entrepreneurship. I enjoyed my corporate world, but like this kind of intrigued me. Um, and I think like doing things that intrigue your, uh, intrigue you, like those are always great ways to, to be a little bit more curious and like find what, what makes you tick. And, um, again, for me, it's travel and I've, I've kind of like scratched that itch, if you will. And, uh, it's definitely something that, uh, that I've enjoyed.
0: Yeah, no, it's so well said. I mean, I, I kind of think of life as ultimately a journey to become the best version of yourself. And I think to say that another way, if you don't find the thing that you're you know on fire to go and do, and that you don't love doing, I don't think you can become the best version of yourself. (laughs) It's kind of a prerequisite. (laughs) Well, it's a perfect note to end on. Um, thank you so much for coming on again. This was so much fun for people listening. You can follow Alex at a L underscore elude on Twitter, and you can also, uh, find elude. Uh, it's an amazing travel booking app. It's kind of search centric, um, at elude.co and you can also download it on the app store. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate yeah, it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can find our episode guide and the full text transcript of this conversation at outlieracademy.com 109. That's 109. For more from Alex Simon, listen to episode 106, where he joins me on our founder spotlight series to go deep on what he's building at Elude, which is a startup that's focused on travel search and discovery, including why travel is considered a startup graveyard and how Elude overcame those opportunities obstacles to build a big and completely new company in the space. How Alex and his team brought deep experience building Google search to build their own unique search experience for travel. We talked through all of the regulation in the travel space, why it exists, and how it impacts companies. We discussed why Allude wanted to become a merchant of record, owning the customer and transaction from end to end, rather than following the typical playbook of simply building a search UI, and then using affiliate links to pop visitors out to airline and hotel websites. And we discuss all of the lessons that Alex and his team has learned building a lewd over the last few years and reaching more than 500,000 searches to date. You can also find the video version of this interview on YouTube at youtube.com slash outlieracademy. On our channel, you'll find all of our full-length interviews as well as our favorite short clips from every episode, including this one. So make sure to subscribe to get notified whenever we share new videos. And if you haven't already, follow us at Outlier Academy on Twitter and LinkedIn so you never miss a new episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you right here next week on Outlier Academy.